Let's open up to two places, get Matthew chapter 7 and Luke chapter 6, if you would please. Matthew 7 in your left hand. And we are continuing our journey through the book of Luke. We'll spend the bulk of our time there, but I'm going to start you off in Matthew. And as you might know, these two passages go together. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the, the passage we're reading in Luke 6, we call it the Sermon in the Plain. So it is two different sermons, but much of the material overlaps. So Matthew chapter 7, let me just give you a few of the verses that go with our message today. In verse 1 it says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? And how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold a beam in thine own eye? Now watch verse 5. Thou hypocrite. Do you see who he's talking to? Thou. Yea. He's talking directly to them. Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, Jesus then goes on to give us some things about holding precious, things that are sacred. Verse 7 down to 12, He gives us some things about prayer, the golden rule. And then we get verses 13 and 14, very famous, entering then at the straight gate, broad is the gate that leads to destruction. Then verse 15, if you'd read that with me. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They are not what they are pretending to be. Does everybody see that? They are not what they are pretending to be. Outwardly, they look like sheep. Inwardly, they are wolves. Verse 5 was talking to hypocrites. But then Jesus is going to swing it back to hypocrites here with dealing with false prophets. Right? Verse 15 it's hypocritical. That's what hypocrisy is. It's acting like something that you know you're not. It's claiming to believe something you don't actually believe. That's a hypocrite. Verse 16, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Watch carefully how he worded that. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Who's them? The false prophets. Because they're going to say the right thing. They're going to look right. Right? They're sheep. Sheep's clothing, it looks right, it might even sound right. How do we know if they're genuine? He said you've got to look a little deeper than the surface. You've got to wait a little bit for the fruit to come out. Look at the totality of their life. And then you'll know if it's a genuine, real, good tree. Verse 16, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. That is the general rule. That's nature's rule, yes? Verse 19, every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Do you see that? He's telling us how to spot a false prophet and he's telling them where these false prophets are going to end up. They might fool everybody during their life, but in the end, they're cut down and cast into the fire. Now, 
Take your Bible and come over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, and we'll begin at verse 41. We're just going to get a little bit of a running start here because we already preached out of these verses. I want you to see the connection with what I just gave you out of Matthew. Matthew, the emphasis was there are hypocrites involved that are judging improperly. False prophets are hypocrites because they're pretending to be one thing outwardly. Inwardly, they're just wolves. They know they're lying to the people. They know they do not practice what they preach. They know that deep down. We have to watch for that. Now watch this. In verse 41, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye. When thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye. And then he gets right to the point. Thou hypocrite. Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. You are nitpicking your brother. You're harshly and hypocritically judging him, saying you're doing something wrong, but you yourself are guilty of not not only that, but even worse. Jesus says, come on, Mr. Hypocrite, clean up your eye. Then maybe you can help somebody else. Then maybe somebody would take you seriously. Because think about it, any of us today, if somebody came to you, right, with a cigarette in their mouth, and you have a cigarette in your mouth, and then they say, stop smoking. How do you take that seriously, right? If you're busy cussing and they come to you and they say, shut the blank up. Stop cussing. And you go, but you just, you're not going to take that seriously, are you? Now watch how Jesus, in verse 43, 44, 45, we're going to read about the good tree and good fruit, and, but I want you to see Jesus is making a hypocrite sandwich here. <laughs> in verse 42, thou hypocrite. Fruit, fruit, good treasure from the heart, verse 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Hypocrite. It's a hypocrite sandwich. In verse 42, hypocrite. Verse 46, hypocrite. So that tells me verse 43, 44, 45, Jesus is helping us, and this is the title of my sermon today. He's teaching us how to deal with hypocrisy. Dealing with hypocrisy. Not only the hypocrisy around you, but the hypocrisy that is within you. I want you to notice in verse number 44, I just want to point this out quickly because of what we read in Matthew, and then we're going to pray For every tree is known by his own fruit. Do you see that in verse 44? Every tree is known by his own fruit. What was it in Matthew? They shall be known by their fruit. Do you see how the difference in the context changes it? This one universal law of a tree is known by its fruit. Depending on when you say that, in which context you read it, you can apply that to false prophets, sure. But you can also apply it to yourself. And you can look at your own fruit and determine if you are a genuine, true worshiper or not. So we're going to preach for just a few minutes about dealing with hypocrisy. Would you join me please in a word of prayer? Father, help us this morning as we look now intently at these three verses. I pray that you would continue to guide us into all truth. I pray that you would be the one that does the preaching this morning. Lord, I simply want to be a vessel. It's a great honor to stand here and do this. And I don't take it lightly. 
And I look forward to what you'll do in our hearts, not just their mind too. Help me as well. Speak to us, we beg you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think this is something that is universally true. Nobody likes a hypocrite. Amen. Nobody likes a hypocrite. When you look at the life and ministry of Christ, there's one thing that he did not tolerate at all, and that was hypocrisy. Over and over again, he is harsh, he is harsh about how he deals with that. And I, I think I understand why to a small extent. You're going to find Jesus saying this, your yea should be yea. Do you know how important that is? If you say something, you need to mean it. Don't exaggerate how bad you are or how good you are. Just say what you are. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Anything more than these, Jesus says, comes of evil. If you cannot say it the way it is, you're hiding something. You're hiding something. James put it like this in James chapter 5. He says, above all these, above all things, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other thing, but let your yea be yea. He says that's the, that's the thing at the top of the list. Above all things, be genuine. Be real. One of the worst things you could do, if, that's, if that is above all things, to be a hypocrite would be the exact opposite, right? That would be one of the worst things you can do for your personal character. That would be one of the worst things you could do for your home, for your church, for your work. It doesn't matter where you're at, this will bring your life down several notches, if not destroy it altogether. If we cannot believe what you say. Let me give you just a few verses from the Bible so that you understand biblically how important this is. Job chapter 13, verse 16. Job said, He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Job 27 and verse 8. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he hath gained, when God taketh away his soul. You fooled everybody your whole life and, and received great accolades and reputation and even resources, but what good is it on the day of your judgment? Proverbs 11 and verse 9, an hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor because he thought he could trust you, but he can't. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about giving, praying, and fasting. And he says, when you do those things, be not as the hypocrites. They do it to be seen of men. Their whole goal is to make people think they are something they are not. That's it. Jesus warns His disciples, be not like that. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 6, Jesus says, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They know what to say and when to say it. They look the part. Sheep's clothing. They speak Christianese. But that's not really what you feel. That's not really who you are. In Matthew chapter 23, you'll find a phrase over and over again. Jesus is preaching to Pharisees. And He says, Ye Pharisees, scribes, 
hypocrites. You know how many times he says that in one chapter? Seven times. Here's his conclusion to them. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Jesus is very strong on this point. Now, lest you think it's all negative, let me give you something a little positive on this. In the Bible, we read where Jesus called certain men to be followers and to be disciples, right? We read about uh, Peter and Andrew, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, right? James, John, same thing. We read where Jesus calls Matthew, follow me, and he does, right? We, we don't have the, the lead-up story to all the disciples, but there's one, one gentleman that we don't read about anywhere else but here. In John chapter 1, we read about Nathaniel. Philip went and found his buddy Nathaniel and said, we found the Messiah, and he's from Nazareth. And he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And then he brought Nathaniel, Philip brought Nathaniel to meet Jesus. And when he walks up on him, Jesus says, truly an Israelite in whom is no guile. You know what that means? No guile. He's not a deceiver. He's not faking it. He's real. Understand how big the price tag is on being real. Being genuine. Being honest with yourself first and with others around you. That is of more importance than we can probably fathom. Just to be real. Of all the disciples, do you realize that's the only one when Jesus called him, Jesus complimented him. It's the only one. Peter didn't get it. James didn't get it. John didn't get a compliment. But Jesus took time. The only thing we know about Nathaniel, he's a man with no guile. He was honest. He was genuine. He said what was really on his mind. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus said, now there's a guy I can work with. Here's a guy who's going to be honest. And, and when Nathaniel said, but how do you know me? Right? Because he said, truly an Israelite in whom is no God. How do you know me? He says, I knew you over there by the fig tree. They hadn't even met yet. Nathaniel thought he was having a private moment. He wasn't. Jesus said something that was mind-blowing and immediately Nathaniel said, okay, you're the king of Israel. You're the son of God. You've got to be the Messiah. Watch what happens though, guys. Do you, do you see the beauty in that? Because he was a man in whom was no guile, he was an honest, genuine man, he was the exact opposite of a hypocrite, he was quick to believe on Christ. He responded quickly when the Lord presented Himself to him. So many times we fail to recognize when God is reaching out to us. We don't know when He's moving about trying to change our lives because we have convinced ourselves that we are something we are not. We could have a beam sticking out of our eye and we don't even know it. And that's why I believe Jesus, in the middle of this hypocrite sandwich, gives us some very needful information. In verse number 43, three quick things we'll talk about from this passage. Luke 6 and verse 43, For of a good tree, I'm sorry, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Now this comes right on the heels of Jesus saying, Thou hypocrite. Yes? That's the verse before, thou hypocrite. And then he says to the hypocrite, listen guys, a good tree doesn't bring forth corrupt fruit. And vice versa, a corrupt tree doesn't bring forth good fruit. 
What's he getting at? Just admit what you really are. That's my first point. Just admit what you really are. You might be able to fool the people around you. You might hang a sign on your tree and says, this is a good tree, but give it enough time and the tree will tell on you. Give it enough time, shake the tree hard enough, the fruit will fall off and we'll be able to see, "Uh uh-oh, that fruit doesn't match the signpost you hung on your tree. First thing to the hypocrite, just admit what you are. You might be fooling people, but at the end of the day, you're actually breaking one of the most fundamental laws of nature and fundamental laws of logic. A corrupt tree does not bring forth good fruit. That's just the, that's the general rule. And now that's what you're trying to do if you're a hypocrite. Deep down, you're unsaved. You have all these lustful, lascivious, horrible, dark desires. And yet on the outside, you just cover it up and pretend as if that's not who you are. Just admit what you are. You are trying desperately to go against this fundamental law. Good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. That's the rule. You said, no, no, but I'm, I'm making it work. I'm bypassing the rule. No one knows. Somebody does. Yes, somebody does. He's looking on your heart this morning. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You can fool everybody, but you're not fooling Him. Just admit what you are. By the way, by the way, if you're a good tree, right, you're saved, and yet you're bringing forth some corrupt fruit, you are also a walking contradiction. You're also a, a bad testimony. You're also confusing to people. Because here you are claiming to be saved, claiming to be a follower of Christ, but you're not living up to it. You are also destroying your neighbor. A hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor because he says one thing but lives another way. Either way, you are dismantling your circle within society. Admit what you are. Now, can, can I just, word of caution on this. Admit what you are, yes, Be yourself, right? People say that. Just be yourself. Okay, admit what you are, yes. Be yourself, yes. But but if there are some problems, and there are, amen? Amen. Can we be honest enough with each other to say, I still got some issues, right? If you don't know that, I'll tell you that. You still have some issues. Say, preacher, you do too. Yes, I know that. Thank you, Mr. Fruit Inspector. I know that. I know that didn't claim to be otherwise, but you got some issues. So before you excuse your sin by saying, well, listen, that's just who I am. Okay, are you working to change who you are? Are you allowing the Lord to mold you into His image? Because it's one thing to say, well, that's just who I am. Fair enough, but are you trying to change? You see the difference? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If you're going to name it and hang that signpost on your tree and say, I'm a Christian, I am a follower, I'm a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, then the fruit needs to match that profession. Yes. Otherwise, you're a walking contradiction. You're one of the most detestable things in the eyes of Christ, and that is a hypocrite. 
Don't claim to be something you're not. My claim this morning is this. I am a saved sinner. I am a saved sinner. Is that clear? Saved sinner. I am both. Do you know what you're going to find when you look at my tree? For the first 20 years, yuck. (laughs) I met the Lord when I was 20 years old, and from that point on, you're going to see in my tree that the fruit starts to look a little different. But I am still a saved sinner. So from time to time, you're going to see some fruit that really shouldn't be there. Amen? Because I have an old nature. I am not an actual tree in the, in the field where, you know, if, it's, if an apple falls, it's an apple tree. You don't find apples and mangoes and bananas on the same tree. But we're a little more complex than a tree. Right? So I'm telling you, my profession is I'm a saved sinner, so you're going to find some fruit from time to time that's not so good, and I want to be quick to admit I don't like that fruit. I don't want the works of the flesh hanging on my tree. I want the fruit of the Spirit hanging on my tree. When I yield to the flesh, the fruit of that comes out. And that's a product of me still being a sinner. But you're also going to see right next to that fruit, you should see the fruit of repentance. Where I go, oh, I hate what I did. And I'm sorry for what I did. And I offended the Lord. And I'm sorry if I offended you. You'll see that. Just admit what you are today. If there has never been a time in your life where the tree changed fruit, right? if it's just bad fruit, bad fruit, bad fruit, and you hung a sign on your tree at some point that says, I went forward in church, or I raised my hand, and I said this and this. If you only have a profession and there's no fruit that's ever changed, you need to really take a longer look and go, maybe I need to, maybe I need to get saved. Because my tree is telling the story that there's never been a change in my life. I've never been converted. At some point, your tree should tell the story. I went from corrupt, and it's getting better. Jesus came in and made a difference. If there's no difference in your tree, then there might be some issues. Let me show you something else in verse number 44. For every tree is known by his own fruit. What does the hypocrite do? He has a beam in his eye, yes? And he's going around to the guy with a moat in his eye, right? And he's saying, hey, I can see some issues in your... Oh, man, look, I can see problems there. Oh, you're doing that wrong. Come on, come on. How could you do that? And everywhere, he's going around looking for problems in other people's lives, right? And Jesus is reminding the hypocrite, hey, you can find fault with everybody around you, but that doesn't make you any less guilty. You're going to be known by your own fruit. So the fact that you have bad fruit doesn't make my fruit any better. Does that make sense? Sometimes we get into that comparison thing. That's what a hypocrite would do. He would kind of deflect the negative attention and go, well, don't look over here. Look over there at how bad he is and how bad she is. And he might be right. You might have a moat in your eye. And there might be a moat or two over here, but he's forgetting the beam in his own. And Jesus is reminding him, hey man, you might be right about their moats. That doesn't take the beam out of your eye. Verse uh, 44, he says, For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble, a bramble bush, gather they grapes. 
So just because you have a judgmental, harsh, hypocritical attitude, that doesn't mow away your thorns and your bramble. That's all still there. You know what I've noticed? A bully, right? And, and somebody who's judgmental and harsh is normally a bully. Picking on people. Nitpicking them. Picking on them. A bully is usually overcompensating for his own insecurities and weaknesses. This is true of preachers, but it's true of Christians in general, but especially preachers. We'll hammer on everybody else's sins, but we won't preach on our own. That's, that's uncomfortable and weird. <laughs> Much better to just admit, listen, I'm going to preach on it because I'm working on it. Right? Just be honest. First admit what you are, but then realize that pointing out others' mistakes doesn't fix my own. Hold this and get Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse number 9. Just imagine two skunks walking down the road and the one skunk turns to the other skunk and says, You stink. Do you think that the one who said, You stink, now no longer stinks? Dude, you're still a skunk. The fact that you recognize other skunks exist doesn't change the fact that you're a skunk. Right? There are hypocrites in the church. Okay, yes, you found some skunks. You might be one of them. Right? You might be one of them. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says, And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Now publicans, those are tax collectors, the worst of the worst, the, the, the dregs of society. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men. And then he goes on to list the motes. And these are kind of beams as well. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He points right at the guy. <laughs> at least I'm not like him. <laughs> okay. Look what this guy does. Verse 12. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Well, that's more than a lot of Christians can say. <laughs> a lot of Christians don't even do that. The question is, why is he doing it? Why is he doing it? Why does he fast twice in the week? Why does he tithe? Why do you do those things? Why did you come to church this morning? We've got to get beyond the surface. Verse 13, The publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what he was? Honest. I, I'm just a rotten guy. God, I have no reason you should accept me. Just please have mercy on me. He was just honest. 
Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The guy who's picking on the other guy, at least I'm not like him, (laughs) that didn't make the Pharisee any better. But the other guy was just honest. Can I come back to Luke chapter 6? And let me point something out about this. In the end of the verse, of thorns men do not gather figs. Of a bramble bush you don't gather grapes. You can put a bramble bush, which is just a thorny bush, you can put that bush in the middle of a vineyard. It doesn't mean you're going to find grapes on that bush. You can plant tares in the middle of a wheat field. And you know what's going to happen when the wind blows? The tares will move just like the wheat does. Right? It'll sway back and forth. It'll go through the motions. Oh, it'll go through the motions. And it can even, that tare can even look at the wheat and go, hey, this wheat has more grain than that wheat does. That wheat's taller than this wheat and it can notice the difference and point out this wheat's doing better than that wheat. And Yes, but that doesn't make you any less a tear. You can sit in the same church. Do not think, right? You can sit in the church, you can go through the motions, you can sing the songs, you can say amen. Maybe your mom's a Christian, your dad's a Christian. Doesn't make you one. Every tree is known by his own fruit. A bramble bush is still a bramble bush no matter where you sit it. You get judged by your own fruit. And then verse 45, Luke 6 verse 45, Jesus switches metaphors, but still very powerful. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For, the, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Jesus is telling them the problem is down deep in you. What's the hypocrite's issue? He thinks it's all a surface thing. If I make it look good on the surface, then I'm done. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They would clean the outside of the cup and platter. They would wipe the sepulchers and make the outside look good, but inside full of dead men's bones. Jesus is pointing out to the hypocrite, guys, if it's all on the surface, you're missing it. The problem is you are shallow. You are hollow. Have you ever seen a fruit bowl on a table with beautiful fruit? Gone to the fruit bowl, picked it up only to realize it's plastic fruit? Have you ever made that mistake? I have in this, I, I, I've been in a few open houses, you know, where they're showing the house. And it only makes sense. You don't put real fruit in an open house, you're going to have the hojas flying around and the fruit could be bad, right? Who wants to eat the fruit? You don't go to the open house for the fruit. Do you? <laughs> you don't do that. It, it should have been clear to me, but I walked into that house and everything's beautiful and this fruit was amazing. But look at the shine on it. <laughs> and I picked up that apple because I thought, why not? You know, open house must be free. They were serving free coffee. I thought the fruit was free. <laughs> I picked it up and I thought, you idiot, how do you play this off? How how do I play this off? Because as as soon as I picked it up, you know, in my mind, everybody's looking now going, oh, let's see if he eats it. (laughs) 
So I, I just picked it up and went, man, that looks real, and just put it back down. <laughs> but, but see, the problem with the hypocrite is just like that fruit, it looked good on the outside, but there was nothing inside. I picked it up and immediately I could tell the difference because it was hollow. There was nothing inside of it. Nothing stirring inside of it. I, I hope that you don't come and go to church, come and go from church, come and go from church, and have nothing stirring inside of you. Jesus is saying if you want to get over your hypocrisy, you need to store up some good treasure deep down. Deep down. Forgive me, I'm jumping a little ahead, but it makes the point. Verse 46, Why call you me Lord, Lord? Do not the things which I say. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and what? And, and he, he dig where? How, how deep? Do you see that? He dig deep. You don't throw the foundation on top of the ground without breaking up the fallow ground, packing it down tight, then laying the foundation deep. You lay it deep. It, watch what happens. And again, I, I'm, I'm going to preach this passage separately, but it, it works. He laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose, and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, could not shake it. Do you see that? You, you know what will, what's going to tell on you one day? What will blow your cover when the flood arises? When the storm beats vehemently? Because while everything is calm and steady, we don't know. When it's just a gentle wind blowing, the tear can move with the wheat. But when it gets cut down and sent off for processing, under closer examination, we find out what you really are. You know what happens when life gets tough? When we... Shake the tree. You shake that tree hard enough, the fruit will fall and it will tell on you. And who cares what you wrote on your sign? Now we know what your tree is full of. Now we know. You'll go through something difficult and how you respond to that will tell us what's in your heart. Amy Carmichael, she gave a, a wonderful illustration of this. She had a book called If. And, and forgive me, I'm not going to give you her quote on it, but just to use that same concept, you fill a cup. Right? Fill a cup with whatever you want to fill it with. Bump the cup. Whatever spills out of the cup is what you filled it with. Isn't that simple? It can sit on the table all the way to the brim. And you can just look at it from afar, from a distance, and go, hey, beautiful cup. It's clean, the cup and platter, clean on the outside. Bump the cup, anything inside the cup is coming out. And every now and again, the Lord just mm, bumps your life and oops, and something pops out and we know, oh, and then you know, that's what's inside of me. 
Why, some of you this morning, you have no intentions of lying about anything. You didn't come to church to lie to anybody, to deceive. You had no intentions of that. But if someone were to come and, and confront you and go, hey, we, we heard, we saw, we found out this and this and this. Tell us, did you do it? And all of a sudden, your knee-jerk reaction would be, oh, it wasn't me. Couldn't have been me. I, you know, I've been coming to church for so long, I don't do those kind. But you know. You know. It just takes somebody to bump your cup and then whatever's in that cup comes out. Everything's going smooth in the marriage. Everything's fine. Somebody makes one mistake. Boom! Out comes angry, hateful, bitter words. Why do you think those things came out? Something's wrong in the heart. Jesus said you need to check deep down in your heart what kind of treasure have you been storing up in your heart the Bible says in the book of Psalms, God, He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head. It says, My cup runneth over. You know the verse after that says? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Right? We sing that song. You know why? Because David's cup was full of God's blessing, of God's words. Yes? So when David would go through tough times, when Saul attacked him, David's cup got bumped in a big way. You know what came out? The book of Psalms. <laughs> Boom! Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Right? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Say, preacher, how can I overcome this, this fakeness, this insincerity? How can I become genuine with no guile, a real follower of Christ, a true worshiper all the way down to my boots? How do I do that? Fill your heart and soul with the, mind, with the words of God. Bible says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the power may be of God and not of us. The excellency is of God and not of us. I have a treasure in me. Deep down is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I've got to be careful. I don't dump a bunch of rubbish in there to cover that up. I want not only to have Jesus living inside, I want to, listen, listen, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? I want to put on all the attributes of Christ. Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. I want all of that so that when you bump me, when you shake the tree... Those are the fruits that start to fall off. Those are the things that start to pour out of my cup. As soon as I see my brother making a mistake, I notice the moat in his eye. You know what comes out? Compassion. Mercy. Gentleness. Instead of harshness. Hypercritical judgment. Angry, bitter words. Do you see where Jesus is going with this? He says, guys, fix your hearts. How do we deal with hypocrisy? We go down to the depth of our heart. We dig deep. We put a good foundation. And we start building. What do you build? The words of Christ. 
That's how we deal with hypocrisy. If you're here this morning, why don't you just admit what you are? I'm a sinner. If you're saved, I'm a saved sinner. If you're not saved, how about you just admit that? Did you know no one's, no one's going to go, oh, you're not saved? Oh, shame on you! We're going to go, thank you for being honest. We'd love to help you with that. If you're saved and you're struggling with some sort of sin, you can come to the altar. It's okay. We're not going to go, oh, I can't believe he went up. Oh, he must be a horrible guy. We knew that already. <laughs> we just assumed it. You know why? Because we are too. Amen. We are too. So this morning, just be honest. Admit it. Stop deflecting the shame and the blame to someone else. Start filling your heart with good treasure. Let's all stand if you would please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask you this morning to examine your heart. The pianist will come and play softly. Examine your heart. Ask yourself this morning, what's inside your cup? Has the Lord filled it? What have you been putting in there? You say, well, how do I know? Just look at how you react when life gets tough. That's how you know. How do you react when life bumps your cup? Let me ask you this. When something bad happens, does a verse of Scripture come to your mind? Does the Holy Spirit bring that to remembrance? Because He can only do that if you put it in your cup. We start to struggle and immediately we begin to lean on our own understanding because we're full of ourselves. Perhaps today that, that reality has been revealed... There's some are praying here at the altar. How about you? Listen, if you're struggling, admit it. Let somebody help you. Let somebody pray with you. Pray for you. Let's be genuine with each other. Spouses, you might want to spend a minute talking to each other. Just ask the other, am I a good spouse for you? Tell me real. What can I do different? What Jesus wanted in His followers was not a bunch of fake, phony, hallelujahs and amens at the right time. He just wanted real people that would really try. That's it. You know, Jesus, He was the good tree. He only had good fruit. That's it. 
If your name is not the Lord Jesus Christ, then there is going to be some fruit on your tree that you're not going to be so proud of. So there should be some fruit right next to that where you said, sorry, Lord. I'm really sorry for that. You know the wonderful thing about the God we serve? He means what He says. He says what He means. He's real. If He loves you, He says it. And He means it. And He backs it up. If He's upset with you, He says it. And He means it. And He backs it up. But with the God of the Bible, you know what you're dealing with. Do we know what we're dealing with when we talk to you? In just a moment, I'm going to pray and we'll close the service. I just want to ask this morning, several came to pray. I just want to ask before I pray, if you're here today, and you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you be willing today to admit that you've never done that? Would you be willing to admit that you say, Pastor, I'm a sinner, and I know that I cannot save myself, and I know that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. Would you be willing to admit that? Now, if you've never been saved, I I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. I will not embarrass you. Would you just slip your hand up? You can put it up and put it right back down. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Anybody willing to admit that? Listen, just be honest. Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wow. That's wonderful. You know, that was the hardest part. It was, admitting it. Now that you've done that, you need to know that Jesus is waiting, arms open wide. Now that you've admitted it, He says, come, come, let me save you. The next step is yours. If you need help on this, find me right after the service. But even right where you're at, right now, you can talk to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. Save me now. Please, Lord, save me. Change me. You can pray to Him right now. If you need help, you find me afterwards. Otherwise, you do that now. Father, thank You so much for being patient with us. Lord, thank You for changing our trees. Oh God, thank You. You came in and the fruit looks different. It's not as good as I'd like it to be. But Lord, You've made a difference. 
Lord, please continue to fill our cups. Help us, Lord, as we dig deep. Lord, we want to be real and genuine, true, true to our roots, true to our roots. You are the root, Lord Jesus. We want to bear that kind of fruit. And those that raise their hands that have not been saved, Father, please, might this be the moment right now where the Lord Jesus Christ steps in and gives them the new birth even now. And Lord, if they do need help, please patiently draw them, continue to work on them. Thank You for the privilege of telling others about Your Son. Fathers, we dismiss. Help us to hold on to what we've heard. Let it sink deep into our hearts, deep so the fowls of the air don't snatch it away. Thank You for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Wonderful, folks. Thank you for your time this morning. Six o'clock tonight, we have our Genesis class. Lord willing, we'll see you there.